This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's Off Air with Julie Stewart Banks on the Bet Rivers Network. Hey everyone, welcome to Off Air for Bet Rivers. I'm Julie Stewart Banks. The NFL is back, baby, and get ready to recommit to not one, but two days of your weekend on the couch. Of course, Saturdays for college football. Now, today's guest not only works as a play by play announcer for NFL on Fox, MLB on Fox, but he's also the voice of the Chicago Bulls on NBC Sports Chicago. He has all the jobs in the world. Give it up for Adam Amin. Banksy. Hey, buddy. How's it going? Everything's great. Great to talk to you. Great to see you again. I know. Great to see you, too. I, as we were mentioning off air, and now we'll mention it off air, on air. Because yep, remember, it is allegedly still a real show. Um, <laughs> the last time I saw you was January 7th, 2020, when you came on my old show. Yep. And we had uh, a whole lot of fun. And a lot has happened since then. You were working at ESPN. The whole world changed, and how have the last three and a half years been? It's been uh, it's been a, a, a little different, yeah, for sure. Obviously, I mean, I'm sure all of us could say the same thing in some form or fashion. But uh, really thankful to be getting to doing what I what I get to do, and thankful that we're still buds and we're still friends. And we get to work together once in a while, like we're getting getting to do right now. So this is pretty great. Now you're at Fox. So what was like the maybe the the pull to go to Fox over staying at ESPN? Yeah, you know, I think the the chance to do the NFL every single week on TV is probably the biggest pull. Obviously, that's that's the thing that we care about in in sports the most in this country, and it's the thing that I've uh, I've covered for a long time. I'd covered it on radio for a long time. I'm going into my now, gosh, twelfth season covering the National Football League, which is wild to think about. But the pull to do that, the pull to do Major League Baseball playoffs on TV was a was obviously another big big boon for it. And then it worked perfectly in concert with getting to be home more. Uh, you, you mentioned I work for the Chicago Bulls. I'm from Chicago. I live in Chicago. I've been here pretty much my entire life. So uh, it worked perfectly in concert with the job. I, I, I loved my time at ESPN, nine years worth. But uh, wow. I would have been silly. Uh, I would have been silly not to not to move on to this type of opportunity when it worked out as well as it did. You have all these jobs. How have you been able to kind of manage it all when you have NFL, MLB, and of course the Bulls? And like, who gets? Who's like number one on the list? <laughs> uh, what's great about having these, again, it worked out perfectly with both, you know, entities or whatever. Like everybody knows that when we have an NFL game, that that's going to take precedence pretty much every every time out. Uh, Major League Baseball playoff games typically are, are next in line. And the nice thing is with, with with these jobs, there's a lot of crossover between basketball and football. Obviously, it's like two and a half months worth now with, with the NBA schedule starting as early as it does. Uh, but but both parties know like I'm going to be working on football. There's not much crossover really at all with with my baseball schedule, thankfully. So I don't really have to I don't really have to worry too much about that, which is nice. But everybody's kind of understanding like the, the national football stuff takes precedence and and I'm gone on weekends. I try as hard as I can to be home uh, during the during during the week, you know, Monday through Friday, if I can if I can help it during the basketball season and try to get as many games in as possible and 
everybody's really cool about it. That's that's the big thing. It's it's hard to manage at times and trying to figure out where you're flying and who's paying for the, the ticket and and where you're meeting a team or where you're leaving a team or who you're go you know who, who you're going to talk to that day. Like some of that stuff gets a little complex, but it's a pretty good first world problem to have, and everybody makes it a lot easier on me, which is uh, which is obviously very helpful. Who and maybe or what? Is it sort of like the thread that has kind of kept you going to be able to get to this point despite whatever challenges have come your way? I mean, there's a lot of great people that, that have done this, you know, for, for a long time at a really high level and, and have done multiple sports. And you kind of I, I think that the, the generation of of they're this generation of broadcasters, I think yourself included. I think we just kind of came up as people who maybe were expected to but certainly encouraged to do a lot of different things. I think versatility has been something that's been preached by most people of this generation, like to be able to do a lot of things, to show that you're a valuable asset to a lot of different entities, that you can cover a lot of different sports. And for me, it, it appeals to me. I, I've always been somebody that likes a lot of different things and likes a lot of different hobbies and likes a lot of different sports. And it just kind of fit my personality to be able to do as many things as possible. And I always wanted to learn and you always gather different information from different sports that you cover or different events that you cover. Maybe that applies to something that you do later on in your career. So all the experiences that I had watching, you know, Ian Eagle and Beth Mowens and Dave O'Brien and Dan Shulman and Mike Tirico and everybody who does all these different sports and covers all these different events at such a high level. That's kind of the blueprint for me, for, for people of our generation, I think. And, uh, that's the, the that's kind of the example I've always followed, and it and it fits my personality to be able to do a lot of different things and apply knowledge to a lot of different avenues. Have you ever found that by doing a lot and by being versatile that you ha- that you've m- almost missed out on stuff because people don't think of you as that one person or like that one guy? They're like, oh well, yeah, sure, you know, Adam can do this. But you, they've seen you do so many things. Like I say that because yeah. I've I've encountered that problem sure. before. I, I know exactly what you mean, and it's part of the reason too. You you asked the, the first question was what was the pull of kind of moving jobs, and a lot of the pull too was just to be able to narrow things down. And I was somebody at ESPN who covered seven or eight different sports, like pretty consistently or at a high level or in terms of high level events, like between professional and college, I was doing seven or eight different sports over the course of a calendar year. And it was great. Again, I, all the things that I said apply, like to be able to learn a lot of different things, to be able to see different dynamics and see the gender dynamic between men's and women's sports, to see the dynamic between college and professional sports, and to see how coaches and players had different personalities based on the level of, of, of sport that they were playing. Like there, there's just a lot of great things that you can learn and pick up and you get to meet people from a lot of different avenues and a lot of different areas of the world. You know, I, I wouldn't know a lot of people from the South if I wasn't covering so many college sports for all those years. You know, I got to go to all these SEC towns and and learn about people and their backgrounds and, you know, kind of their uh, how, how they were raised. And it was different from how I was raised. And it's just a great exposure. But as I got older and I wanted to start narrowing things down a little bit, I think that was the other pull of moving jobs was to really focus on the few things that Mm -hmm. I was really the most passionate about. And a lot of that just has to do with being from here, being from a major city, being from a a metropolis, from being uh, from the third largest market in the country. This is a pro sports town. I grew up as a pro sports fan. My three favorite sports were Major League Baseball, the NFL, and the NBA. So Mm -hmm. I'm very fortunate that I get to focus my energies on those things. I do understand being pigeonholed 
or not being pigeonholed in a way. Right. Like, I, and and I know what you mean. Like, because both have benefits and both have kind of kind of cons to it as well. I, I like to believe that because I gained all this experience early. And now I've started to narrow that focus down right. into the things that I really care about and the things I hope that I, I'm good at. I, I think I'm good at them and, and, and hopefully it's perceived as such. It's, it's been better for me now. And that, that thing that you seek to be known for a couple of things or maybe even one thing, I really do like that part of it to, to know that I'm a reliable, uh, source of information or reliable person to watch on, uh, on these events. For baseball, football, and basketball at the professional level. Are you on Mark Schlereth's crew, by the way? Absolutely. This is year four for for Mark and I this year. Okay, awesome. Well, he is part of our Bet Rivers yep. network, and as a coworker of mine, yeah, uh, that I always see all the time, every day at work. <laughs> um, what is something about Stink that would maybe surprise someone? He is a big softy. I don't think people would necessarily know that about him based on how strong he is in his opinions. He's a very opinionated person, especially when it comes to the game of football. He is passionate about it, obviously, and he's going to tell you what he thinks. And I think if you only know him from that, and this could apply to a lot of people, but especially with Mark because he's 6'4 and you know in great shape still to, to this day and is a tough football player and has a bunch of Super Bowl rings, like... I'm sure it's very easy to fall into the the idea that he's a very specific type of person who has a very specific personality, and he's he's a lot more than that. He's the, one of the just soft-hearted people I know. He's got you know some grandkids, and if you watch him around his grandkids, it's kind of hilarious because he just is a big puddle of emotion, basically. Um, he's a he's a very like affectionate dude. I'm a very like affectionate person. Like I hug my friends. I I tell him I love him. Like that's just how I've I've always been, and I I think you know the last three years have only made me more so uh, that way because you know you you kind of realize how precious that is mm-hmm. to to kind of tell your people how you care about them and and how much you care about them. So I'm that way, and not everybody's that way, and that's okay. I'm not expecting everybody to to, to match my level of of uh, emotional sentimentality, but he does. Like he's a big, soft-hearted guy. And I don't think people would necessarily guess that about him just based on what they know about him, what they see about him, and what they hear from him. Uh, he's just he's just like a big, sentimental, soft puddle of emotion. I love that. Well, you guys then work perfectly then together. I think so. Just a bunch of softies out there calling a game. <laughs> we I get love it. I we just yeah. I can't wait till we just start crying on a really good pass play. That's it's going to be great. And emotion yeah. is great. And as we learned from Barbie, you can have emotions and also yes. be good at your job. <laughs> yeah, it is. We I he is Knuff. You know, he is. Yeah. He is. He is truly. I think that's fair. That's great. I love that. I'm just curious quickly. You mentioned a whole bunch of play-by-play announcers a moment ago. Um, what is like your favorite either phrase to use or play to call where you're like, oh yeah, this play is happening. <laughs> I can't wait. I'm going to say blank. I, I mean, I don't think I have like a signature call on, on anything. I'm, I'm sure I have like phrases that I use that are just kind of built in over the course of doing the job for, you know, 10 to 15 years. Like you kind of have these phrases that you lean on. I don't have like a cool, like Mike Breen bang catchphrase or I, I just don't have one and and maybe I'll, it'll happen maybe it'll happen but I want it to happen organically and, and something you don't that happens think like, about it ahead of time like if this guy scores a touchdown wow this would be a great line it feels like Jim Nance yeah. already has like the line of whoever is going to make that long putt it's yeah. like perfect 
I'll say it this way. Like, I've never scripted anything out. I've never written anything down as to, like, I definitely want to say it this way. But, you, like, you need to think about those things, especially in when you know the big moment is coming. Football is a little bit more unpredictable. So it's really hard to have, like, a great signature call on, a, on a, like, a game-winning touchdown or a game-winning field goal. It's, it's hard to really have one. Uh, it's a little bit more... Uh, I don't want to say easier, but there's more space to think about it in, in a big baseball moment right. when when you have a, a very specific situation with a very specific player that you know is going to be involved if they win this game. You know the hitter is probably going to be involved. Uh, and in basketball with like a buzzer beater, it's, it's it's a little bit tougher because it's so quick. And you're, you, you, know, you don't necessarily have all the time to think about like a great line, but you have to think about these things if... You want to try to encapsulate the moment uh, and, and kind of have it as as like this vacuum sealed thing that you can open any time, hear the call and go, wow, they really did a great job of, of that in that moment. And that's what's so neat about your uh, position is that you never know if a game or a moment is going to be, as you said, like like vacuumed in this moment yeah. for history. You're like, oh, wow. That was my call, and that was history being made. And maybe you think about it. And I know John Strong, who does soccer, yeah. had told um, Jake Zivin, who does soccer, he said, you know, yep. on any kind of um, who called Messi's the Messi stuff. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, he said, um, always assume on a free kick or a set piece that it's going to go in. Yeah. So that you are like ready for that moment, or else you'll be totally just like bowled over with that. Yeah. But I think it's fascinating to hear you guys talk about it because I, it sounds so poetic when things happen. Yeah. That I mean, well, soccer and British people are <laughs> just crazy. I heard, I, yeah. I heard, I heard like, oh, clairvoyance. John John Champion you used clairvoyance and in the in an Arsenal match this weekend. I was like, I've. That's so British. I've that's, never that's heard so that. British. That's, that's, <laughs> so, that's so European, and it's so it's, it's like, just like a random yeah. word in a broadcast in a calling a game. I'm like, yep, that's the Premier League. All right, yeah. I, would, yeah, it's, I mean, it's if you can work clairvoyant right? or clairvoyant into uh, a game, I will. I will give you a hundred dollars. Okay? I'm, I'm going to take that bet for for this season. All right, I'm I'm going to if I if it happens, I'm going to clip that thing and I'm going to text it to you immediately and go pay Have up. This. Venmo I'll, me right now. Okay, I'll pay for that. I'll pay for that. Um, I find a lot of your story interesting, Adam, in that like you've been very open about kind of I don't know maybe just how, what it takes to get to the point where you're at right now. And I was listening to the full go podcast with yep. Jason Goff. And you'd said that insecurities have driven your success, which sounds both very insightful and also exhausting. Yes. So in what way have they driven your success and like how, why, why is that the thing? Uh, yeah, just constantly being terrified of looking like an idiot. That's a really fun way to live your life, right? Um, no, that's, it's my whole, my whole existence feels like it's been one big insecurity probably since I was 16. And I imagine that there's a lot of people who hear that sentence and go, that's relatable because all of us deal with a lot of insecurities when we're 16. So it's just kind of something that Based on how I, how I was as a younger person, I was a performer. I always wanted to be some kind of performer, right? I was a musician. I was a singer. I was a theater person. I, I did. I was an athlete 
for a short period of time. And this job and this kind of career, when I started pursuing it in college, it was like a mix of things. It was mm-hmm. sports and it was able to, you know, my the ability to stay close to sports. It was performance. This is theater in a sense. Like you're building a story. You're building a yeah. narrative. And, and this is why people watch every week when it's football, when it's a playoff game in baseball, when it's a basketball game. Like you're just trying to build the story of that night or that series or that game or that season. And it's also music. It's it's musicality with how we use our voices to right. hit a moment or to to kind of emphasize something and and its intonation and its its tone and it's you know the volume that you say it with and the strength that you say it with or how softly you say something when you're telling a story so all these elements are all things that I was really into you know kind of growing up and as a performer any type of performer you're constantly reassessing like am I doing this right am I doing this right am I good enough to do this and those questions the more you ask them to yourself and the more you kind of think about them and maybe overthink them, there's a tendency for those things to just become normalized. Like to ask yourself if you're good enough is just a normal question now. And it has been for the better part of 20 years. And it is exhausting in a lot of ways on the days where you just don't feel good. But I think if you're able to harness it, and I don't recommend this by any means, like this is just how it happened for me. And and I think part of it was growing up and being one of the first social media age broadcasters, if, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Like, you know, you and I are of, of the ilk that kind of grew up in this business while social media was starting to take the shape that, you know, I'm not, I'm not on it as often as I used to be, but the shape yeah, that what it happened? took. Uh, your Twitter feed is like not really big anymore. I think that's part of it. I think I think it was just like I you I, I saw all of my own insecurities kind of on display if people would say something that, you know, was was negative about me. And that's okay. Like, that's they're, that's what they do. That's just kind of the form. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but it's the way it was. And when I finally got to a point where it stopped affecting my, like, self-value, I think self-esteem is probably the right phrase and right, right use of wordage here. I, it wasn't as important to me anymore because... Part of it was confidence. Part of it was feeling confident about the things that you do and the work that you put in and, and looking more so for validation from other avenues. Uh, that's, that's a big part of it. And that's where the insecurities come. You're always looking for some kind of validation. And that's right. hard. That's a hard way to live your life. But I think as I've gotten a little bit older and a little bit more experienced and a little bit more comfortable in my own skin, my validation comes from my colleagues, from people that I trust, my friends, my significant other, my parents, my family, like the people that know you the best and care about you as a person and as a professional, I think validation from those sources is a lot more important to me now. Are you still a big foodie? I, I, I feel like as I get older, I don't get to indulge as much as I used to, but yes, yes. You're not really leaning into that anymore? I don't get to lean into like that as part of the personality anymore, unfortunately, mostly because like... I just can't, I don't have a metabolism for it anymore more than anything else. Like, I just don't, you don't, I mean, you, listen, you've done the same thing. Like you've, you've become a really like uh, a, a major fitness enthusiast, which, which I love and yes. I, I really appreciate. Thank and you. It's been, it's, appreciate it's, you it's, noticing. It's, it's important for me too. Like as I get older and like it, I have 20 minutes every morning of just stretching and then actually going to work out. So like, yeah. that's more of the lifestyle that I have to, I don't want to necessarily do all that stuff i do it because i have to Mm -hmm. and i still though 
I save up for the good meals because oh, yeah. that's the, the best part or you know, one of the best parts of our job, especially in football season, is going out as a crew. You know, like you, you get to see Mark and you know that he's, you know, as a, as a coworker and you understand like he's a jovial person and we have a great crew that really like gets along. We, again, we've been together for the most part that's for four huge. years. Like those Friday night dinners after, you know, we'll meet with the home team. Oh. On Friday afternoon, we'll go do, you know, do our own work for, you know, an hour or two after that, get a workout in or whatever it is. And then the camaraderie of Friday night going out, finding a great place to eat, having a nice bottle of wine, having a great steak or having like the whatever the the local delicacy is and that and just kind of having like the fellowship of that, you know, like Mm -hmm. whatever that version is, whatever that word means to people, it can mean a lot of different things. But for us, it's like. Friday night, let's get together. We're going to have a great meal. We're going to have great wine. We're going to joke. We're going to get a little tipsy. We'll, we're going to say some stupid things. And then, you know, we'll get back to work the next day. But those few hours mean a lot. You know, I, I think, again, when we when that was kind of taken away, you know, during the pandemic where you're not really allowed to go out as much, you're not really mm-hmm. leaning into that as often. Like, it's a big deal to, to remember that that's really important in, in this business. It's a relationships business. And that's really important to me. So that those meals are still, we still do in, indulge and we still like want to go out and find the best meal we can. And there was some great, uh, some great spots in DC this week that I'm, I'm excited to hit up again. So yeah, we're, we're, it's still important for us. Okay. Let's, okay. So we're going to do some NFL sort of, um, most likely yearbook predictions type cool. of thing. What team is most likely in your opinion to, surprise us man this is a, i think the pittsburgh steelers are up there you know and i know they're they've been kind of an interesting pick a lot of people have a lot of faith in what kenny pickett's going to do in his second year essentially first full season given the reins right out of the gate as a starting quarterback the talent around him i think is really solid he has two really strong receivers in deontay johnson and george pickens they established their running game in a really impressive fashion in the second half of the season last year they kind of made some changes after their bye week and their defense has one of the most talented players in the league in TJ Watt. Uh, and they have a really good back end as well. So there's a lot to like about them. So maybe some people may not consider them a surprise. But based on where I saw them last year, especially in the first half of the year, to what they started to look like in the second half, I think they could be a real surprise team. Um, who is most likely going to have the best quarterback? I mean... After 17 games, it's still, I think, going to be Patrick Mahomes. Uh, I think Josh Allen and Joe Burrow are right there. Joe Burrow has great odds to win the MVP this season. Uh, but I, I still feel like it's it's Mahomes' season. I just still feel like consistency and the ability to add to his game. You know, he, he's consistently added, whether it's a skill, whether it's what the offense and Andy Reid has done for him. He has still all the pieces that you want on the offensive side, and obviously Travis Kelsey, but he's got receivers. He's got a couple of running backs that he feels very comfortable with. Their screen game is excellent. Their deep ball game is excellent. Their intermediate game is excellent. He's still, to me, the best quarterback in the league and the most innovative that we have for the time being. I would love to see an upset on on opening night for the sake of seeing like Detroit be back in the mix, but from week one to week 18, I still feel like Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in this league. What is the most likely conversation that is going to be around Aaron Rodgers come Thanksgiving? Uh, is this team good enough to make a push for the playoffs? I, I, I think there's a lot to like about the Jets defensively and offensively. 
obviously adding Aaron Rodgers to this mix is the biggest key. And he's still talented despite him being in year 18 or whatever it is now at this point. He's still one of the more talented guys in this league. A change of scenery has helped quarterbacks in the past. Tom Brady is obviously one of those quarterbacks that we've seen have a change of scenery, have new life around him, and all of a sudden there there seems to be this impressive jump that that franchise can make. That division is fascinating to me. It's still Buffalo's division to win. Uh, it's it's still the, arguably the most talented team in the NFL, I think right up there with Kansas City. But they're going to be wildcard teams out of that division. Miami, can they take the next step? Can their defense improve? Can Tua Tungavailoa stay healthy? And can that offense kind of live up to the potential that we've been building up for it with those receivers the last year? So they're really good. Uh, the Jets are talented, and I don't ever look at New England and assume that they're not going to be a player because Bill Belichick always seems to scheme right with the personnel that he has. Their defense always seems to be in the top five or ten overall every single season. So it's going to be a competitive division, but I feel like the Jets will be in the mix for one of those wildcard spots come Thanksgiving. And if they are, now all of a sudden you've you've created that narrative that, that you're kind of talking about, Binksy, like, this could be a team that we discuss for the better part of the last two months of the season as a potential playoff team. Well, that is a very football guy answer because I would have said, you know, I would have been very curious what kind of random stuff Aaron Rodgers would be saying in press conferences. That's, That's what I am very excited also, about. Also, also, can I can we take like a split second for just like hot goss stuff? Like, yes, yes. Who's Aaron Rodgers going to date? In New York, like once he gets once he gets like into the season, who's going to be like the gal pal now? Because he's, you know, he's dated very popular athletes. He's dated very popular actresses like now. And now you're in New York. Like what what's what's the love life of Aaron Rodgers going to be? That's like I don't think about that very often, but I can take a a few seconds and be like, I just wonder. I wonder what this man's personal life is now going to be like living in in the in the great metropolis right well he was at the u.s open he's like at taylor swift concert like he's he's embracing and they were all at broadway shows i just walked walked by like back to the future like in times square <laughs> like oh all the guys on the jets love back to the sure. future from hard knocks but he likes brunettes it seems like at least danica patrick and what olivia, <laughs> olivia Munn. like Munn. i'm trying to think of like is shailene woodley previous... a, a, a brunette technically i guess if, if we're just narrowing it down to hair color i mean i guess does she count in that uh, okay, I'll let you go in a second, but obviously, uh, who is most likely to be in the Super Bowl and then to win it? Ah, uh, loveless question in, in as we prepare for week one because I won't look like an <laughs> idiot for sure. Um, all right, I am banking on the Kansas City Chiefs making one more run from the AFC, and I think. It is going to be the Philadelphia Eagles again. I think we could have a Super Bowl rematch. I'm dead serious. Wow. So I, I and I know that's not like the sexiest pick, but I do feel like most people aren't assuming that they, this would be a potential Super Bowl rematch. And I know we don't have a whole you know heap of data from this season to work off of because it hasn't started yet. So we can only go off of what we know about these teams. But talent wise and consistency, I, I think are the two things that separate these two teams beyond everybody else. The consistency with which they, those two teams play on both sides of the field is the determining factor for me. And for now, I think we could potentially see uh, a Super Bowl rematch. It's a lot more intriguing in the AFC. 
I think there's more yeah. of a definitive understanding of what Philadelphia is in the NFC more than anything else right now. Okay, so if there is a rematch, I will send you $100. Yes. So that makes it $200 if you get that right. And also, yeah, do you want to make it double or nothing? I'm joking. Clairvoyance slash clairvoyance has to be used within the next few weeks. Okay. okay? I'm going to clip. Not, I'm, I'm using it. I'm clipping it off and I'll take the hundred and we'll donate it somewhere. That's fine. Adam, congratulations on all you have achieved. And also more importantly, the person that you are. And I appreciate you coming on this show off air. And guys, you can see Adam on NFL on Fox, MLB on Fox, Chicago Bulls games on NBC Sports Chicago. Again, he has everyone's job and you can check us out off air on, of course, for Bet Rivers, on all of our Bet Rivers platforms, on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and please like it. And I know I say that a lot, but please like and subscribe because it, it means a lot, you know, to me because I need that external validation. I'm not at Adam's level yet of, of the internal validation yet. Uh, and it doesn't cost any money to like it. And more importantly, we will see you guys next time when the red light is off. Thanks for listening to Off Air with the Julie Stewart Binks on the Bet Rivers Network.